Do you obsess over barbecue? Or maybe you're just getting started and want to learn more. Light up the pit and join me, Kurt Mueller, lifelong barbecue fanatic and competitor on the pro circuit as I have the most passionate people in barbecue from pit masters to restaurant owners. Join me on the show, sharing their barbecue journey, their unique tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques that will make sure your barbecue gets better every time you fire up that grill or pit. Welcome to The Barbecue Life. Welcome into the Barbecue Live podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Mueller. As always, we are powered by Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. Zach and Blake do a great job of taking care of me and other folks on the competition trail. Check them out on social media, Instagram and Facebook at Hound Hogs BBQ Supply. All right, so I welcome in today Big Perm with Zilla's Pit Barbecue. He's the pit master of Zilla's Pit Barbecue based out of Nashville, Tennessee. And I got to give a nod to a mutual friend of ours, Matt Osman with Blinky's Offset Barbecue. He's the one that connected us. So thank you, Matt, for that. Big Perm, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. All right. So I know before we started recording, you were chatting about how busy things are picking up right now. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it is. It's, it's festival season. You know, it's food truck season, all of the above. Uh, weather's turned nicer. So anyway, before we dive into that, let's hear about your journey into barbecue. Okay, my journey's very unique. So, uh, would you want the long or the short version? <laughs> Let's go long version. Why not? Okay. Uh, long version is um, I was born on a a pretty substantial farm in West Tennessee. Uh, I formed maybe since five years ago. No, no, excuse me, ten years ago. Uh, it's about a century old farm. My family's just known for hosting events at church. So being a country boy, church is an all Sunday thing, morning service, afternoon service, and sometimes night service as well. So uh, a lot of the ladies of the church used to get together and cook food in the back of the church in the kitchen. And a lot of the gentlemen just went outside and, you know, in between services, they cooked food. So that was my basic first introductory into cooking, uh, especially barbecue wise. As far as the competition circuit and me doing it up to date, it started in 2014. I started doing competition barbecue. This is a hobby. Uh, I won my actual first competition in the rib category. Um, my wife got really ecstatic at the time. And I was like, you know, it, it was something great to do. Um, but I kind of get bit by the bug. So the next couple of competitions we won, uh, which is great. My wife like, hey, if we win in competitions and people like our food that much, let's just go ahead and try the catering circuit. So we ended up doing some catering, um, had some really great reviews, great recommendations. A lot of people really requested us, which was awesome. Um, but it got to the point to where my catering paid me more than my regular job at the time. Right. And, and my regular job at the time, I was doing pretty good. I was an electronic engineer and do um, low voltage work in the state homes. So I wasn't making pennies on the dollar. I was doing okay. So um, it got to the point to where... Monday through Friday, I was working, but then like once Thursday started to come around, I was trying to think, I'm like, am I going to do a competition? Am I going to do some catering? What's going to be my next step? So I ended up coming up with a, like, you know what, since we're doing this catering thing, let's see how far we can take it. So after I started doing my last competition in 2015, 2017, 
I said, you know what, let's try this catering thing out full term and see where it leads us. So we did maybe total of 15 to 20 caterings. Uh, that pretty much started up the GoFundMe for my trailer. Um, I had two amazing people that made massive donations because they saw uh, the heart that we put in our food. We just don't we just don't cook food just for the sake of cooking food. We cook food because we liked the barbecue that was out there, but we just wasn't happy with the overall experience. We felt like we had something to bring to the table as well. That's not us um, speaking ill on anybody's barbecue because everybody has different barbecue. I don't say good, better, or best. I just say different because even in judging, even if you're doing competition, everyone's food is different, as we know. It's just a matter of whose food they like best that day. I pretty much looked at it as like, okay, I know I have something different to offer to the public. If it takes me somewhere, great. If not, I know where my, my ceiling is at that point in my career. So I know where I need to work at. Uh, we started with a little four by eight utility trailer. Uh, we did a lot of gorilla pop-ups. Man, we was at it for my, a good five years before we really just got traction and took off. So we had the following. But a lot of people were like, man, dude, um, you you really need to just like get in a food trailer and then work your way into a brick and mortar. Because right now at this point in our career, everybody asking like, hey, when are you going to get in a brick and mortar? Which is great, you know, but I'm I'm not the person to put myself on the cart ahead of the horse and then try to really just play catch up and you're at a cat's forensic pace, you know, just trying to make sure everything's operational. I like stuff to be in line and know where we are as far as growth. Incremental growth is best for me. That's exactly right. So, I mean, there's what's, you know, there's a lot of case studies where, you know, companies have grown too big too fast and, you know, they lose quality and then ultimately start to slip in other areas and some of them cease to exist. So, yeah, I think I think you're right on the money there. That's something that personally, uh, you know, I, I struggle with because I, you know, I'm I tend to be either pedal to the metal or sleeping. So I, you know, I don't really know third or fourth gear. But yeah, it's 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 a struggle there. So, I, you know, one thing I'm curious when you mindset, right? I love I love mm. chatting about mindset and and understanding, you know, someone's attitude, someone's mindset when they made that switch from the comfortable salaried position, mm-hmm. knowing what you're getting every single, you know, month, every two weeks, whatever, to not knowing, right? What was that mindset like when you said, all right, we got something special here. Let's go for it. My mindset was, even though I was one of the leads to my company, my mindset was I didn't own a company and they could release me at any time and they choose to. Right. When you own your own business, you're responsible for, at the end of the day, everything lands at your feet, basically. So whether you produce that week, whether it's a great week or not, did you do enough advertisement or not? Was the food up to par or not? It's still, it's it's on you. So I'd rather take that chance and say, hey, did I do enough this week to make sure that I set myself up to be successful or would I rely on somebody else? And even if they didn't do enough to be successful, to be successful, I can be cut at any moment and it has nothing to do with me. That's exactly right. You hit, you hit the... Uh, the uh, excuse me, the nail right on the head there. Um, I agree. I like personally, I like having that that control. Yes, it creates more stress and more anxiety, but at the end of the day, the buck stops with you, and you have to take that responsibility and accountability. So, let's talk about Zilla's Pit Barbecue. How would you describe your barbecue? It's a mixture of West Tennessee and Middle Tennessee barbecue. 
I was raised in both locations. Like I said previously, uh, I raised on my family farm until 1982. I was, I'm, a, I'm an old head. I was born in 77. <laughs> so uh, I was born in 77. My mom ended up coming to Nashville, going to college, uh, Tennessee State in 82. So it's a mixture of both styles. Basically, I hung around my dad a lot around the grill. And my dad's the one that really taught me the nuances of a grill. And then it slowly transitioned into a smoker. Uh, it taught me hot, the indirect and direct sides of the grill, um, about temp, about... We didn't have thermometers back in our time, but we used to cook and slow cook and grill and stuff. We did that by a touch. Uh, everything, you put your hand over the grate, you put your hands over the, uh, the indirect side to kind of get a feel of how long would it take for you to cook a certain item. Because... It was at a point, and a lot of people know the story about me. Uh, before barbecue was so prevalent in the in the nation, we cooked barbecue for Monday through Friday. So if, if it was a football game going on on Saturday, my dad or my uncle, they'll buy enough food for them to have lunch throughout the rest of the week. So they'll, they'll start cooking food, you know, maybe first or second quarter, especially when University of Tennessee was really popular then, when Peyton Manning and all those guys was in their heyday. So around the third quarter, you know, there'll be three quarters full. So it was my job at like 16, 17 years old to man the grill or man the smoker, you know, and make sure that, you know, I didn't mess up anybody's food. You know, people would have to take that for their lunch for the remainder of the week. So it brought a sense of like, hey, you have to make sure that you cook this and don't mess this up because regardless whether you mess it up or not, that's all I got left to eat. That's exactly right. So it sounds like you learned on a direct heat style of cooker, like a charcoal type uh, grill. And then it sounds like that transitioned over to more of a of an indirect smoker. So what do you what's your setup now? I mean, what, what kind of cooker do you have? How how does that describe that for us? So right now we're working on the offset. I say it's about a three hundred gallon offset. Um, it's located on the back of our our trailer, our concessions trailer, and we're we're smoking. I say close to Texas style as possible. I don't like to say specific regions. Because I don't make my brisket every way everybody in Texas will make their brisket. I call my brisket the Tennessee brisket because I've only been to Texas once. And I can't say my brisket is a Texas-style brisket if I've never been there. And the one time I've been there, it was for a family reunion. So I didn't do a lot of, hey, uh, barbecue joint hopping and making sure I'm like, hey, this, this is pretty close to the way I prepare my food. I'm like, no, nah, I haven't made that pilgrimage yet. Do I want to make that pilgrimage? Sure, absolutely. Um and I don't, I don't want to stake it on like I'm making this pilgrimage to see to compare how my stuff stands up to the people in one specific region. I want to say, okay, I'm doing this for the love of barbecue, and I want to see, okay, how am I cooking my food compared to in other individuals in other regions, and not specifically Texas, whether it be Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Texas, Louisiana, California, Chicago, or anywhere else, you know, because. I cook rib tips like people in Chicago, a lot of people say. Uh, I cook brisket similar to a lot of people in Texas because they said, hey, this is some of the best brisket I had out of Texas. And I'm like, that's great. But, hey, I make a Tennessee brisket. So if Tennessee and Texas are cousins, that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as far as, like, pulled pork, everybody said my pulled pork reminds me of Memphis style. And I'm like, that's great because I stayed less than an hour away from Memphis. So <laughs> I don't want to say a hodgepodge. It's more or less like, you know how – People only had certain spices at a certain time frame, so they was only capable of cooking a certain way. So we have access to a limited number of spices. So you can create any dish you choose. My thing is I want to create the best dish that I'm capable of producing on a consistent basis from first plate to last plate for the customer. 
So if I know I can do that, I'm doing my job. That's exactly right. So do you make your own rubs and sauces at this yes, point? Yes, I do. Yes. And it sounds like that's pro those are probably a hodgepodge, just like, you know, your your different styles of cooking, which I think is I think is a good point because I think we get caught up so much in, you know, what's the best type of barbecue and people getting all these arguments and debates. And really at the end of the day, good great barbecue is great barbecue. I don't care what it's called. <laughs> it's right. If if it's great, it's great. Um, now what so what are you guys known for though? Is it is it brisket? Is it ribs? Is it pulled pork? I mean, what's your what's your calling card? Our calling card is our brisket. That's uh, the brisket. After that, it's our pulled pork, uh, pork ribs, then chicken. So a lot of people like they come to us like, and then also one of our calling cards are, are our size. We have a brisket macaroni and cheese. So we have macaroni and cheese infused in our brisket, and it's like, man, we can't keep enough of it on the track. Uh, our baked beans are signature. A lot of cats said, man, they see signature to like cats make in, in Chicago or other regions of the U.S. And I'm like, that's great, but that's something that I learned on my own. And then I want to make sure I bring something to our community and say, hey, this reminds me because Nashville is becoming a destination city. I want somebody to say, hey, this reminds me of home. This reminds me of a way that one of my relatives would cook it. Are you from this location? I'm like, no. But this is the way I prep it, and this is the type of foods that I like and my family like as well. I have a huge family. I have a family throughout the U.S. So the, the styles that they've learned, they've brought back to the country, and they share with us. And, and they've shown us, like, hey, it's more than one way to prepare cuisine. It's just the way that's in that specific area. That's what we're accustomed to. So what are you guys seeing in the Nashville area when it comes to just the barbecue industry as a whole? And what I'm asking really is, you know, in the Augusta, Georgia area, it's relatively, you know, we're, we're a, a smaller major city. I mean, we're not, it's not like an Atlanta or Nashville, but, you know, it seems to me like locally we're losing some of the barbecue uh, restaurants. They're either just maybe the, the founder uh, passed away and there's no one there to take over the business, or maybe they just, their quality has slipped to the point where, People just don't go there anymore. Mm. Um, but I'm curious to hear like in Nashville, because, you know, you mentioned it, it is, it is a destination city. So you're getting, it's kind of like a melting pot almost of people. Yeah. Right. What is, do you feel like the barbecue industry there is thriving? Do you feel like it's stagnant or what, what's the state of barbecue in Nashville right now, in your opinion? By being a destination city thriving, that's kind of like a difficult thing to really gauge because you got so many people coming here. They come here for different cuisines. And you you can put a barbecue joint up if you put it up at the right location. As long as there's enough people there, you can stay in business. The one thing they taught me was during the COVID, is during COVID period, it shows you who's willing to put the rubber to the road and actually do the work. Because a lot of businesses close up because of that, because of lack of business, because of lack of being able to say, okay, I need to pivot and not use the traditional way of doing business to make sure I make myself sustainable through whatever is going on. And it shows you like people that were overly staffed, they didn't survive. People that use a lot of product that are accustomed to people coming in through the door, they didn't survive. The people that knew how to scale back and scale back on not only personnel, but scale back on the way they do business and kind of get to the, the meat and potatoes of everything. It showed you the people that knew how to be in business. But it also shows you the people like, okay, the people that are in business, 
they got to know what they're doing as far as putting out a, a superior product. You can't put out a, a, a product just to say, hey, it's good and still be in business. That's not going to work. Yeah, you're exactly right. So how did you guys, so you mentioned the word pivot. I know that's a buzzword right now. You know, it gets used a lot. It got used a lot three years ago when, when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. What did you guys do to pivot and put the, you know, as you said, put the rubber to the road? What, what, what was that like? Well, like that year was our best year because it allowed us to say, you know what? If you can't come to us, if we're going to be at a farmer's market or wherever we're going to be, we're going to come to you. So what we ended up doing was instead of just going to different places where we know people, individuals gathered, we went to them. We went to HOAs. We went to apartment complexes. We went to individuals that say, hey, you know what? We need some different food in our area. We, we're tired of whatever is in our area. Could you come to our area and cater to us? And we're like, absolutely. And we had some of the largest turnouts that we ever had. Number one, because people want to get outside. Then number two, they was tired of cooking for their family. A lot of people were like, you know what, I'm out here working and then I got to come home. And this, you know, that was the most time their kids was at the house. They're like, I'm tired of cooking these for these kids, man. Yeah. And then it's always like they, they want something to eat. And then from my experience, barbecue was always, it was never a high cuisine food. It was a food that basically, you know, people that worked out in the fields, they took a sandwich with them on their way to work. They had something to sustain them for a long period of time until they can get home and get something. So if you get a kid a barbecue sandwich at noon, a nice size barbecue sandwich should sustain them to about three, four o'clock in the afternoon until it's almost time for dinner. So you don't have to keep on feeding them snacks and all the kind of stuff that gets expensive. And you're trying to get them something to hold them until it's time for them to prepare them their dinner, get them ready to go to bed. And that was the whole purpose of us doing that. That's a great, that's, that's a great point. I mean, you, you, you touched on something I think a lot of people missed during COVID and that is, you know, A, you got to be able to pivot and B, you got to be willing to go to the people and understand their mentality, which it sounds like you, you had a really good, you know, finger on the pulse there uh, when that, when that all transpired and you were able to pivot pretty quickly and not only survive, but it sounds like, you know, you, you thrived when Absolutely. a lot of places were just simply going out of business altogether. I think that's a, that's a, that's a really good point. And I think it's great for our listeners to understand that, especially, you know, those that are trying to make this transition, myself included. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I feel like as I'm listening to you speak, I feel like I'm in your position where you were, you know, maybe five, six years ago where I'm trying to decide, okay, well, is this going to be a full-time thing or, you know, what are, what are we doing basically, right? What, what are we going to do here? Um, so it's, it's, it's very interesting to hear you, you know, speak about that. Now, as far as, you know, your successes, right? So clearly, you know, you've, you've set the bar very high in the Nashville area for your barbecue. Um, I don't think, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. Um, and that's not knocking anybody else. So you take mm -hmm. a lot of pride. You take a lot of pride. You put a lot of love, so to speak, into your into your barbecue and a lot yes. of care into it. What were some of the challenges, though? Right? What were some of those those moments when you were like, "Man, this is what am I doing?" Let's talk about some of those challenges. Uh, so my biggest challenge was even after uh, a lot of the accolades that we been able to be presented for me to reintroduce myself on a consistent basis. A lot, like, like a lot of individuals, like, man, your barbecue is really good. How come? And and to this day, I almost got a hang up about that as well. They're like, 
how how do I not know about you? Mm-hmm. Why do I know about you? And my main thing is, I'm like, I, I wholeheartedly cannot tell you. Uh, we've been on numerous publications as far as press. We've been in numerous television shows. Um, it's just a matter of where you get your information from. So to to keep yourself relevant and, and to be in a mindset of everyone doesn't know who you are. You still have to continue to prove yourself each and every time you go out, no matter what. If you have that mindset, you can be successful because it's over a million, it's over a million to two, maybe even three million people in Nashville now. Right. So you have to introduce yourself every single time. You can't get hung up on how they don't know me. I'm I done the work. I'm sitting in this location. Well, a lot of people know me from social media, but a lot of people locally may not know me. So my main thing is, I have to give them something to say. Okay, man. I don't know why I didn't hear from you earlier. I didn't know about you sooner, but I got to make sure I spread the word and tell them like, hey, there are other options out here other than the brick and mortars that we're accustomed to. So you, you've mentioned brick and mortar a couple of times, and I know this is on the minds of a lot of listeners who have their own catering business or food truck, or maybe they're competing yeah. only and they want to make that transition what is it about the, and this is something that I, that I struggle with, you know, is, you know, brick and mortar versus being mobile is, do you feel like in order for, you know, you to uh, have some long-term success and really cement a legacy, do you, do you feel like you need the brick and mortar or do you feel like you can continue to build your brand and your legacy with your current setup? The, the brand with the current setup, Yes because it allowed me to go to different locations to where the brick and mortar couldn't take me. Um, If I go in the surrounding counties and let people know who I am. So in that time that they come to Nashville, they're like, Hey, I can come shop and do business with him. If I have a brick and mortar in Nashville, that the one setback is people ask like, Hey, the food is great. Where can I get it on a consistent basis? And you don't want people to migrate. It's great when people do migrate and follow you like that because you know you have, you know you have a following that's willing to like, hey, you know what? If he's gonna be over here, that's where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna carve out a certain time of my day or my calendar to make sure I support this individual. But you also want to be centralized when it comes to me as far as a brick and mortar. Considering a brick and mortar, I need to be centralized. Or I needed to be at a location to where I can be community-based. Because not only do I want my business to impact my family directly, I want to make sure I impact the community around me. Because it does it does no one any good for me to continuously sell barbecue to people, make them happy in that facet, but not put back into community any other kind of way. Uh, that's one of the ways that I've initially got introduced into, into barbecue. When I was playing Little League football, my Little League football team was sponsored by a barbecue place when I played. Mm-hmm. So it shows you like, hey, even though the coach may not have money for uniforms and stuff, they was able to contribute and give back to the community and give them money for uniforms and they sponsored the teams. So in, in, in just that one little small facet, that's one of the many ways that you can help the community out no matter how or wherever you're located. That's exactly right. And I mean, I think you know, barbecue as a whole is all about the people, right? It's all about people. It's about breaking bread, building relationships. And I love what you said about, you know, community. I think, you know, oftentimes that gets lost 
in all of this. You want to grow, grow, grow and build your brand and get out there. And you forget about that, the importance of that community outreach and that community impact. So how, how are you guys, you know, impacting the community right now? I'm curious. I'd love to hear how you're doing that. Uh, we work with Boys and Girls Club. We got a small mentoring program. We're trying to get some individuals on from high school there in culinary in the culinary class and get them in, introduced to them, get them some culinary credits as well to make sure, like, hey, if you see me do it, I wanted to show that you're capable of doing it as well. It may not be barbecue, but whatever industry that you choose to be in, you can be an industry leader and have a business of your own. It's just a matter of making the necessary sacrifices to put yourself in a position to be successful. So by doing that, I'm doing it through my work. I'm not just telling somebody, you can be great. Yeah, yeah, go be great. I'm doing it through action. I, I don't want any excuse like, man, well, it's hard. Anything you want, you really want, is going to be hard. That's the reason why I tell people, find something you love to do. Find something you love to do for free, then charge tax. Because number one, you will put more into it than you would anything else. Anything else, you'd be like, man, I'm I'm doing it, but I'm ready to go. If you find something you love to do, you won't even be looking up at the clock. And by that time, you'll be getting paid more than you ever anticipated, as well as putting out a far superior product that you would in any other field because you're that more invested into it. Amen. And you, you said it, couldn't have said it any better myself. That's a that's something I think a lot of folks that start up a business, no matter what industry, barbecue, retail, I mean, you name it, they lose sight of that, that, hey, you know what, this is going to take sacrifice, which is what you mentioned, which is hard work. And unfortunately, sometimes everything sounds good. I think, I think Mike Tyson was the one who coined this phrase, you know, everybody's got a plan so they get punched in the mouth. Yes. You know, everything sounds good on paper. You got a good business plan. You got great, you know, all your, all your social media looks really good. And then that first time you get a negative review or that first time you get rejected, it just all, if you're not, you know, if you're not committed, like you said, invested, right. like, you just crumble, right? you know, and your mindset's not, not strong enough. Yeah. You got to be locked in. You got, you got to be able to take constructive criticism. Like, Everybody doesn't have to have the same mindset for you to be successful. You need to be challenged to a certain degree. You need to say, okay, what can I do better? Or what can I do to make myself more efficient? Or what can I do to improve the overall experience of what I'm trying to create? And no matter whatever you're trying to do, for me, it's barbecue. I'm trying to put out the best barbecue I possibly can be in this point in my career. I know this point we're called growth. And then growth is painful no matter what it may be. Right now, I need, I know I'm to the point where it's going to be time to move to a brick and mortar. But my brick and mortar, I have to be decisive about where I'm going to place my brick and mortar because you just can't put it anywhere. Just like advertising, you can tell somebody off of the major interstate, but if they don't know if an off-ramp is there, they're going to pass you by every single time. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's, and, you know, brick and location, 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 right? It's all about... It's all about location. And um, again, going back to that, that mindset of, Hey, if I love what you said, you know, I think you said, find something you love to do and, and don't ch just charge tax. <laughs> you there know? you go. You know, the the government won't, yeah. The government won't theirs. Now you got to give them theirs. And I'm That's the right. type of person to make sure they got theirs. Cause when it come down to them asking for their tax money, I want to already have it in hand and let me go on by my business and go on work because I got a lot of people that's dependent on me to say, Hey, 
I have a beautiful family tree. Uh, if I can explain you my family tree in, in less than two minutes, I could, but there's no way possible. Just being, just, just having a family, having a farm in one family for a century is a story within itself. But for me to be able to branch off of that family tree and create something of my own and say, hey, this is a beautiful branch, a part of that family tree, that's something I'm trying to create to say, yeah, he was able to do something to, to, to be impactful but still be within this family. Man, that's that's powerful stuff. That's That's great. I love it. Where did the name come from? I'm curious because I've been sitting here wondering, how did you get the name Zilla's Pit Barbecue? Talk to me about that. So Zilla's Pit Barbecue became because of my uncle, man. I got a, one of the funnest uncle you. He's really funkle. He's the funnest <laughs> uncle you can be around. So once he started, he always noticed me cooking, uh, especially being around him and dad. Uh, and once I started cooking on my own, he's like, man, let me taste your food. Let, I see you've been paying attention. Let me see what you're doing. He said, boy, you a beast on this grill, man. I'm going to have to start calling you Zilla. You big time right now. I said, nah, I'm not big time. But <laughs> I want to show y'all I did pay attention. You know, I, I and and this guy's amazing, amazing cook. He's not a chef. He's not a, a pit master. Well, he don't deem himself one. But when I said this guy's amazing cook, this guy's amazing. So to get that honor to say, hey, man, you've been paying attention. That means a lot. That's awesome. That's right. You get you get that you get that recognition, especially from somebody that you look up to and respect and admire. It means a ton, uh, especially at a young age. You know, whenever whenever that was when you're when you're soaking that all in. So, well, what's next for Zilla's Pit Barbecue? What's next for you guys on the horizon? So the horizon it really comes down to location. Mm -hmm. um, we're continuing doing um, like I said before festivals. Farmers markets, creating a community base and to know to be prevalent in the area, let people know like, hey, we're here. But I also want to make sure that I do want to put a brick and mortar in a community that I can support. I know that people want to see me win as well and see my family win as well. But I also want to make sure that if I'm going to be in the community, I want to be able to give back. So we're hunting for a brick and mortar location at this moment, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is to be able to have one brick and mortar, one food truck, and be able to provide the people something that they'll be proud to say is they're part of their community. I love it. It's all about community. That's some good stuff. So how can our listeners connect with you? I know you're on uh, Instagram at Zilla's Pit Barbecue, correct? That is correct. Uh, so we're going to be at um, Instagram at Zilla's, Z-I-L-L-A-S, slash pit, P-I-T, underscore B-B-Q. And you can find that on all forms of social media. There's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. You can also go on to our webpage as well at www.zillaspitbbq.com. It'll also show you where we'll be popped up. If you go less than halfway down the page, it'll show you our locations, our times, and where we'll be located for the week in the, in the upcoming week as well. Well, there you go. We'll have all of that info for our listeners. We'll have all that info in, in the show notes so you guys can check him out and connect with him and just see all the cool things he's doing. Love, love your style. Love the attitude about giving back to the community. And again, I'm, I'm grateful for your time this morning and appreciate Matt connecting us. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. 
Thanks so much for listening to The Barbecue Life. Share this episode with a buddy who loves barbecue or is just starting to get into it. Follow us for more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time. Keep calm and smoke on.